name is Stephen Mansfield and this is your 15. The topic of our 15 today is a second part of our series on civil government and God's will for government. And we're talking about God's will for governing leaders. In the previous 15 that I taught, we talked about the fact that God has ordained both the church and the state. Some of us have been raised under the impression that the Bible only speaks to the church and the individual, uh, that it's not intended as an understanding of the world, but, but I, I broke out the idea that the Bible speaks to every area of life. It doesn't give us the details, doesn't tell us how to arrange traffic patterns, you know, in cities or fly a jet or run our computers, but it does give us the basic principles through which we understand the world and which we're meant to obey as we live in the world. And so we talked about the difference between church and state, and I use the scripture which I'd like to read as I start today, <coughs> excuse me, at Romans 13, uh, verse 1 through verse 7. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror, <coughs> excuse me, for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you'll, be rec and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They're God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Now, what is this verse teaching us? This verse is teaching us that the, the view that has often prevailed in the church, that the church is a holy thing that, it, that God is involved with and that has his blessing and that he's ordained, and the state is a secular thing which men created and God doesn't have any connection to, is not right. The Bible says that God has ordained both the church and the state, that in fact those who govern in political civil government are people who have authority from God. And, and I said in the first of our 15s that this passage of Scripture was written when very vile men were ruling in the Roman Empire. I mean, sometime you ought to do a little research, uh, just, just Google the name Nero, and read a little bit about Emperor Nero in the Roman Empire. He was a wicked, vile man, and yet he only had authority, he only had his position, because God had allowed him to be there. And so these things are a little bit mysterious for us. Sometimes it's hard to get our mind around them. But the reality is that those who govern have authority from God, even those who are wicked. And we're called to submit to them, pray for them, pay taxes, honor them, respect them, try to encourage the, uh, God's will uh, among them, help them understand God's will for what they do. All of this is very, very important. So, we're talking now about the fact that the church is ordained by God, its leadership is ordained by God, the truth of the scripture that pertains to the church, obviously God's will, the Spirit of God guides the church. At the same time, the Spirit of God is concerned about government, civil government, state, national governments, because God's ordained them. God has a will for them. God wants to work there. And by the way, God calls those who work in government His servants who do his, do his will. In fact, the word minister is actually used. They're actually ministers of justice. And many of you watching from countries outside of the U.S. will understand, uh, of course, that that's the word that's used in England and other parts of the world. He's the minister of justice. He's the minister of this. It's where the language comes from. Now, what I want us to understand in this 15, that what's important for us to get our minds around, is that God has a will for government. 
I've worked in, in, in ministering to and pastoring political leaders for a lot of years. And for the most part, what they tend to feel from the church is a little bit of irritation and anger, a little bit of distance. You guys are over there. You're doing, you're doing your own civil thing. You're corrupt. You're, you've got power, but it's not really legitimate. And, and we as the church are going to stay away from you. Many of them don't, don't feel real connected to the church. But I want to tell you that there ought to be a relationship between the church and the state. As, our, as, as some folks in history have said, they are like in faith, but separate in function. The church should not be the state. The state should not be the church. Absolutely not. But they're meant to speak to each other. And for those of us who are in churches, for those of us who are pastors or leaders or work in churches, and those of us who attend churches, we, we need to understand that part of what God wants to grow out of the church are people who understand God's will for civil government and are willing to go and run for office and be part of it, who are willing to speak small p prophetically to the state. I spend a lot of my time with governing leaders and they're eager to know God's will. They're eager to know God's will for what they do. Uh, they're eager to know uh, how to walk out their authority. You know, I've known unrighteous men and women who got into positions of governing authority. When they got there, they sensed there was a spiritual dynamic to what they were doing. But they didn't know how to walk it out. They didn't know how to, how to live it because they didn't know who God was. They didn't know His will. They didn't know His will for government. The Bible speaks to every area of life, and it speaks a great deal to government. And so many times I'll sit with governing leaders and I'll talk to them about God's will for their role. I'll talk to them about the fact that God wants them to be humble and God wants them to use their, their authority to serve people and not to dominate them. That God doesn't want them to be corrupt and take bribes. That, that there are principles all throughout the scripture that, that govern what they do. There should be fairness. That, that there ought not be racism. That the poor ought to be taken care of and, and served in, in a way that elevates them out of poverty and doesn't make them perpetually, uh, you know, just... just sub waiting for a handout, so to speak. Um, that that, that there's, there ought to be justice, there ought to be the rule of law, and that judges shouldn't be corrupt. You understand what I'm saying. All of those principles that grow organically out of Scripture. And the, the, the problem is that, that, as I've said, most people think that the Bible speaks to the church and the individual Christian life, but it doesn't speak to the state. Uh, the reality is that we as Christians need to begin to speak the truth of God to the state without trying to take over the state. We need to have people in our churches who understand these truths and, and who are taught these truths and who are willing to speak to those in authority and to actually become those in authority. In other words, I'd like to see our churches become kind of the nursery of the statesmen of the future. Now, there is a principle uh, in Scripture that is not described in Scripture. It's a principle called sphere law. Uh, what's a sphere? A sphere is an arena, an area. Uh, all throughout the Bible, there are principles and truths that apply to different spheres. For example, for example, uh, the family is a sphere, isn't it? It's an area of government and of, and of God's activity and will uh, that is governed by certain principles. There are principles in the Bible for how a family ought to conduct itself. Uh, there's a marriage covenant, and there's a way to raise kids, and there's a, uh, there's a way to speak to the children, and the Bible tells a father how not to be harsh with his children, how to love the children, and the obligation of the children to submit to the parents, and, and a generational vision, and the industry of the home, and Proverbs 31 for the woman, and on and on and on. 
there are laws and principles that govern. There are laws and principles that govern for the church, right? Uh, we, we know there are meant to be apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists and all of that. We know that there are, there are some things we're supposed to do in submission and taking up tithes and preaching the word and worshiping and, and, and praying for civil leaders and so on. There are principles that apply to the church. And in the same way, there are principles that apply to the state. And if the church is not going to proclaim those, not urge those amongst their governing leaders, then we're going to have unrighteous people. I, I want to suggest that in every church service, the Bible tells us that we should be praying for those in authority over us. And if we would make prayer for the governing authorities without regard to politics, the heart of what we do in our church services, I don't mean the only thing we do, but certainly a pillar of every experience, things would change. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This pleases God who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, I have to tell you that Timothy was at Ephesus when this was written to him by Paul. Pa Paul uh, lived at a time when he might not have been able to think of one righteous king. When he thought of society, when he thought of the kings and the rulers that he knew, he was looking at corrupt demon worship and emperors. He was looking at a Roman Senate that was a mess. He was looking at kings that were unrighteous and wicked. It's possible he could not think of one, certainly not one Christian, but maybe not even one moral king or governing leader. And yet, God had shown him that we are to pray. Pray for those in authority over us. Pray for those, even if they're not believers. Now, one of the reasons I'm hammering this so firmly uh, is that in, in many of our countries, we have political parties. And even though we're Christians and in churches, we're aligned with those political parties. That's fine. It's, it's, you, that's how you engage political activity. But often we have such animosity and such bitterness that we will not even pray for someone who's in office, who's of a different political party and maybe of a different persuasion than us. Uh, we've, we've had this certainly in the United States to a large extent. I'm sitting here not too far outside of Washington, D.C., and I've had people tell me that given who the president is and the fact that that president's not of their choosing, they would not pray for him. I'm talking about Christian people saying they would not pray for him. And I said, it, it's commanded. You, you have to do that. So this is how much our animosity kicks in, and this is how much our politics kicks in. But let me tell you something. Jesus is Lord of every area of our lives. So the will of God begins to be done in governing leader, amongst governing leaders as we pray and intercede for those in authority over us. Second of all, we need to understand the word. We need to understand what the Bible says to them. I go to many, many uh, governing leaders, sit with them, teach them, teach their staffs, teach them their schools and so on, teach the royal family or whatever. And I always bring in Romans 13. I always teach the fact that, sir, uh, king, uh, emperor, president, prime minister, senator, you have authority because God has given you that authority. You may not know it. You may think you got here just by hereditary factors or, or, or by inheritance or, or by elections. But you have, you have come to your position according to divine will. And there is good that you are meant to do. 
the will of God is there for you to do. And there are principles that govern this. And they get excited. They go, okay, I knew there was something different when I got here. I knew I was just the son of the king or I was just a, just a man who ran for office. And I got in this position. I, kn I knew there was a spiritual dynamic I couldn't get my mind around. Help me understand it. And then I begin to teach them the scriptures. Teach them what the Bible says about courts and about the poor and about race and about justice and about evidence and about, and about not taking bribes and about prayer and about being righteous and about, about making a space for the will of God to be done, etc., 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 etc. And nations have been changed, not because of necessarily my counsel alone, but because leaders have had the courage to mount up and make a difference. Then the church needs to be raising up men and women who understand that the only calling you can have is not just to the church. You know, it used to be that people thought if I if I'm born again and I feel I feel like I have a, a sense of calling to leadership, that means I got to be a pastor. No, no, no. Not only are there many Christian callings in terms of the church, you know, evangelist and so on, but there are also many kind of callings to the society. Some people are called to be in media, and some people are called to be in education. Some people are called to be in the military. The Bible makes that very clear. And some are called to take positions of civil leadership or leadership in civil government. This is absolutely critical. If we're going to have righteous leaders. We're going to have to train leaders who think righteously in our churches. Yes, they'll need to go to other colleges and graduate schools and learn about government and law and get their degrees, but in the church, we can teach the principles of civil government. And by the way, there's a cycle here. The, the, the leaders teach the principles of civil government, teach the principles of God's will for government, and the people pray more specifically. And the more the people pray specifically, the more God begins to raise up righteous leaders. You see how it all works? Then, I believe that the church should honor those in government. Uh, when was the last time a, a church uh, sent a gift to a person in governing uh, leadership and said, we're going to be praying for you this Sunday, please let us know if we can help you. In the meantime, please accept this book or this Bible or this bunch of food or whatever it is as a, as a, as a gift of us honoring you. We submit to you. We're glad that you're there. We're behind you. And saying that, by the way, even if that person in office is not of their, their party even if they're not of, the, of their political persuasion. My friends, we need to understand that God has a will for government, and he reveals it in the scriptures, and it's something that we're accountable for. I believe when we stand before Jesus, we'll not just give an account for our own spiritual lives and for the influence we may have had in our churches. I think he's also going to say, now, did you pray for those in authority over you? Did your country's government collapse and become corrupt and antichrist uh, because there were no praying believers, because no one would speak the word, because no one would be bold? And that brings me to my final principle, and that is that pastors and, and, and Christian leaders need to have the, the courage to speak to those in government in a prophetic fashion. By prophetic, I don't mean prophecies like, you know, uh, supernaturally given things uh, about their lives, although that may be part of it. But, but I, what I mean is to speak the Word of God, to speak forth the Word of God. Many times pastors and Christian leaders are so busy trying to be in good favor with governing authorities that they forget to speak boldly and courageously the things that are true. I believe God wants to transform governments all over the world. I believe that God wants uh, to work in the realms of civil government. And that's why it's so important that we understand that there's a difference between the church and the state, that they're both ordained of God, that God has a will for both of them, but that the church has to be praying, teaching, raising up, honoring, confronting those in uh, civil government, those who will serve in civil government, or we will not have what the Bible says, uh, which is peace and quietness 
and a stable society. There's a role that we have to play, and I urge you to take it seriously. I urge you uh, to pray. I urge you to urge your church to pray. I urge you not to become cynical about politics. I, I urge you to bless and to honor and submit and pay your taxes graciously and ask God to work powerfully in government. Who knows what God wants to do? He's always doing more than we know. Who knows uh, that the very person you have been mad, mad at and, and angry and even resentful about having to pray for is the one God wants to change in office and use. And that is your 15.